Welcome back to the X Show, listeners. I am your host Tony Shu, and today with me I have my wonderful co-host Donna. Hello. <laughs> yes, and Donna, why don't you go introduce yourself for everyone who somehow doesn't know who you are yet? <laughs> so, I'm Donna Shu. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist associate with my private practice in Plano, Texas, called Serenity Counseling. I want to give a quick disclaimer that what is discussed here is for entertainment purposes and does not constitute mental health advice. And joining us, we have a very special guest. We do today. We have Yasmin Azad. She wrote this incredible memoir about、uh, growing up in in a Sri Lankan a traditional Muslim community, and、uh, she's really here to talk about her experiences and、um, touch a touch a little bit about how how those kind of traditional communities. Uh, interact and change and react to you know the the growing the growing cultural shifts,、um, particularly that clash between you know that penultimate、uh, kind of struggle almost between those traditional and modern views.、Uh, you、mm-hmm. can introduce yourself, Yasmin. So I'm Yasmin Azad. I was born in Sri Lanka、uh, in the 1950s, and I moved to the United States. About forty years ago, and I have worked here as a mental health counselor.、Um, I was born to a traditional Muslim community, and was just at the cusp of when girls were allowed to go out of their homes to for,、uh, to get an education in school. First for a few years, and then later on, you know, I was allowed after much conflict and struggle to go to the university. So I think I was part of a. Uh, a sweeping movement that took place in the Muslim world when, when girls who were confined to the innermost rooms of their homes were finally allowed at least a little freedom to go out, and that's what my you know my book tries to capture the the changes and what it means for those girls, their families, and the societies.、Mm. Yeah, it, it, you were part of a.、Uh, I like that silent movement, but it was big. It was a big movement mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's awesome. So,、yeah. right. So, if if you want me to give you an example, my grandmother never went to school. She couldn't read or write. She couldn't even count beyond ten. When she wanted to know whether the the, the a new month had come she would go out into the garden and look up at the sky you know in the night a crescent moon meant there was a new month in the Islamic calendar she didn't know anything about the Western calendar and about seventy five years after that I was asking my father permission to go to the university so this is a huge change right from、mm-hmm. in two generations and th- that kind of change has has consequences. For the families and the community, and、um, that's what you know. That's what I tried to capture, as I said. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, it, part part of what you're seeing today, actually, in the Muslim world with women and veiling and things, is some part of it is related to that movement that began about seventy five years ago. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. And so, kind of growing up within that, you know, traditional traditional community, it sounds to me like、mm-hmm. you're you're really part of that. You're really swept up in that wave. This is when it was happening. It wasn't, you know, your grandmother was before this time, and when you were growing up, that was the time that these changes are、mm-hmm. going on. So, right? How do you think those 
how do you think your community um, handled and reacted to this? Reacted to this. So you know, in Sri Lanka is a multi-ethnic and multi-religious and cultural uh, country. So what happened is that the Muslims in Sri Lanka were influenced by the non-Muslim. Uh, communities nearby who were sending their children, girls to school, to missionary schools very often. And my great-grandfather was influenced by his neighbor, uh, and this is in the last, uh, like, 1870s. Uh, uh, he made a re- what was then a revolutionary decision. He said, I'm going to send my daughter to school at least for a few years. And that's what they did. You know, at that time, you would go to school for about up to the third grade, and then you were taken away. So I think, and gradually with the influence of, you know, the British who were colonizing Sri Lanka, more and more Muslim girls were sent to school, but only till about the 8th or 10th grade. It was in my, I was one, the first in my family to go to the university because nobody thought that a Muslim, you know, when I told my father that I wanted to go to the university, he really, you know, loved me and he wanted to take care of me, but his first words were, aren't you ashamed? Mm-hmm. to want to mm-hmm. go and live outside with strangers, you're a young girl. So that was the conflict that, you know, for many um, uh, in my community, the generational conflict that began to come up. Girls like me who wanted more than, you know, that was the the tradition, and parents who were saying, no, 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 this isn't right, you know, you should go. So I was different in that I wanted to go to the university. Two of my cousins were different in that they eloped with men that they had secret relationships with. Mm-hmm. So it was a time of turmoil for the community, you know, and, and, and parents and elders not knowing what to do with this. What are these changes that are happening? Where? You know, and oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think in a way you see that same conflict, um, perhaps you might have seen it too, in first-generation immigration immigration families in the United States or in the UK, where the parents are from, say, like Pakistan or India or Sri Lanka, and their children go to public school in these countries and have a, quite a different idea about what their lives are going to be. And I see that conflict, you know, being among people I know, because the parents say, no, no, this, you know, you can't do this, you can't, you know, girls are not supposed to do this or you're not supposed to do that. And that that conflict uh, plays out in in these immigrant families. The same conflict that played out when I was growing up in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. I have an experience. um, So I come from a Mexican Mm -hmm. background and my family um, is more on the modern side now, but was not just Mm -hmm. a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, where when I was in college, I told them I was going to go stay, I was going to go watch a movie at one of my um, female friends house or apartment. And I went and then I was just I brought the movie and I was casually I was just casually talking to my parents. I'm like, I'm here. Uh, We're going to watch the movie now. And I just told them, it's me. It's my friend. It's her boyfriend and his roommate. And then they they were. (laughs) And they were so shocked. They were so shocked. And their argument at the time was you have to get out of there immediately. And I told them, "Um, but I brought the film. So. If I leave, I'm taking the film and 
they are not going to have the entertainment that that I was in charge of. And um, they were like, but what will the people think? What will they say about Mm -hmm. you? Mm-hmm, the kind mm-hmm. of person that you are you have to get out now mm-hmm. and, and i got home and i was really upset and i told them what people are you talking about who are they mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i took it very literally right. <laughs> like who are they right who is this yeah. <laughs> so i i don't understand i can't say i 100 percent understand your experience because i, I don't but i can definitely empathize and relate with similar experiences because uh, i mean that was the 21st century that was just a few years ago back um what is that uh nine years ago so Mm -hmm. yeah that's not that's not the 50s that's not the 60s but it still happens right right you know I, i know somebody from my community here um, she di- couldn't, she didn't allow her daughter, was in high school here, and the daughter wanted to go to the senior prom, and the mother said, this is a Muslim family. They said, no, you can't do that. You can't go to the prom with a boy. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, both the daughter and the mother cried that night. But, mm. and, and that's sort of, I think, revealing that the mother cried too, because the mother felt like she was doing what she, what she thought was best for the daughter in protecting her, right? It's right. Not, Right. It's not that happened, you know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. Please finish what you were going to say. It's not out of malice or bad intentions. It never is. Right. It's just that's just not how they grew up. And um, my mom explained it to me. She said, "I don't have. I have like I have this manual of how you're supposed to live your life, and Mm -hmm. when you." deviate from that manual i don't know what to do mm-hmm. and i wonder mm-hmm. if if your soul is going to be in danger or if something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen and she says i just don't know i mean when you change the manual i don't know what to do <laughs> right right and you know so i write about my father and that's one of the things that i wanted to do in my book you know when you look at a society that's far away you can easily stereotype it right it's all about oppression and patriarchy and all muslim women are miserable it's much more complex and nuanced than that Mm -hmm. and my father at first when i asked him to go to university as you said you know the shame and you know how can you possibly live alone you know a muslim girl but then when he saw how unhappy I was and, you know, how I had set my heart, he, he finally relented. He said, well, I can't approve of this, but I will support you. And what hap- that's what happens in so many families across the world, I think. Sometimes parents who are very conservative tend to, th- th- their love for their children sometimes helps them overcome whatever uh, reservations they had, right, mm-hmm. about about certain things they they see the they see begin to see the situation through the through their children's eyes and it happens here too whether it's about race or about uh, gay rights you know when they have a child who's affected it helps them to get over whatever oppressive attitudes they had and that's what that's something i want the reader to see too you know it's very complex Mm -hmm. everywhere families 
love their children like you said with your mother you know it's not about malice it's it, this is what i think was right and uh, this is the manual and i'm doing my best for you mm-hmm. yeah that's and i i read it in your book at the very end he said he was happy that you were happy i'm mm-hmm. just happy that you're mm-hmm. happy and i think it's you're mm-hmm. you're totally right i i really agree coming from uh, being a woman uh from you know second generation in my situation mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it it does it's difficult to separate that fear mm-hmm. and hesitation from mm-hmm. tradition that's mm-hmm. what i've encountered about for myself mm-hmm. from my perspective thinking mm-hmm. what do i want to continue to do and what do i want mm-hmm. to deviate from because it makes me happy and if it leads me to a, a not very great place i'm also okay with that it's kind of that balance right. right and and you know i'm so glad you mentioned that because you know th- that's really you know so part of the book i mean it's a memoir so i don't sort of write an academic paper about it mm-hmm. but um you know one of the things that has happened in the last uh, i would say about 50 years is there's been a huge islamic revivalist movement all over the world uh, you know th- people becoming very religious and wanting to have islamic societies mm-hmm. and part of it is political you know i know that you know in the from the middle east saudi you know the wahhabism and all that but there is a real part which i i sense when i talk to my relatives is that there is a sense that modernity is not all that it's cut out to be that it doesn't provide you know they, they call it the crisis of modernity mm. that people have become communities have you know are not so strong families are not being supported you know and um, i don't know if you uh, if you remember about 3 months ago in may the surgeon general of the united states he sent out an advisory uh, about what he called the epidemic of isolation and loneliness in the united states and how it affects mental health and physical health right mm, and uh, 28 yes and in 2018 the british prime minister at that time theresa may she established a minister of loneliness because because hmm. she said that's the sad reality of modern life mm-hmm. so even for me like you said i feel like there's something very valuable i mean there is the part about the not giving freedom and human rights to women that we need to do change but there's something very valuable too in traditional societies where they take care of each other and the communities are strong and i think we have to hear their concerns about the change you know instead of saying oh no everything has to change and become modern that's the way to do it Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a lot of nuance in the modern discussion regarding this whole kind of concept of traditionalism uh, versus modernity mm-hmm. and that um a lot of times I I a lot of times it seems like it gets portrayed like modernity is a straight line mm-hmm. towards the mm-hmm. Better, mm-hmm. better future. And I'm not saying that change mm-hmm. is bad. I mean, I'm the product of no, no. society itself, but there are in anything there's as a mm-hmm. there's an opportunity cost as a disadvantage mm-hmm. there's there's is a price to be paid pretty much no mm-hmm. matter what it is uh, you know i uh, mm-hmm. i uh, graduate economics and uh, there's a classic saying that we have which is that there ain't no such thing as a free lunch 
there's always something mm-hmm. there's always someone mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. who's paying for it yeah. i think at least here within mm-hmm. the u.s when you think about modernity you you think of this really um emphasis on the individual you know social media mm-hmm. is all about the individual the individual influences and the individual mm-hmm. people there mm-hmm. and i when you focus so much on that of this whole concept of make of everyone deserves their own independent shot of happiness sometimes mm-hmm. those kind of sometimes the work of stuff for the common good or for the work for, yes. for the common happiness sometimes yes. it falls it falls by the wayside it's certainly not a straight shot and um, right i think when it comes to at least when it comes to me and i, and I think when it comes to you too donna that um there's mm-hmm. a sort of admiration that we have for the ways that mm-hmm. um for the more traditional ways of doing things not mm-hmm. that we necessarily want to go back but more of an appreciation that these things did provide the sense of community did provide this sort of structure mm-hmm. in a sense uh to life because otherwise you really without because with it's it's almost like you know when you're when you're learning to bowl for the first time, a lot of times they give you those mm-hmm. guide rails so you don't go into the gutter. Mm-hmm. And yes. you learn how to properly bowl and you don't go into the gutter. But it's sometimes with modern life, they're so, um, it's so free and so open yes. that yes. it's so easy to fall into the gutter. And I think those are the kind of mm-hmm. issues that we mm-hmm. have. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff gets reflected with what you're talking about, the epidemic of isolation and loneliness and um kind of circling back about what you were talking about with you know this sort of revivalist movement of like um for lack of a better term is islamic uh, fundamentalism is as i think some sense of reflection of that because you can't look at modern life and say it's a hundred percent better you can say it's better here it's better here it's worse here it's not too great there Mm -hmm. but it's better here and overall maybe it's better in general there's certainly, mm-hmm. there's certainly a nuanced case to be made. Not that I'm supporting mm-hmm. Islamic fundamentalism, though. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, it would be, you know, at least if we can have a conversation about it, you know, instead of dismissing the concerns of people, you know, the traditional people, you know, if we can have a conversation, yes, we need to support basic human rights for everyone and freedom but is there a way in which we can you know we can do it without completely eroding community and connection you know mm-hmm. so that that seems yeah and you know i i was asked once why you know like the revivalism and why you know there's a certain amount of religious revivalism even in christianity and you know hinduism you can see it across the mm-hmm. world but why it's so strong in Islam? And one of the reasons I know is that community is like central to the religion. It's not just a peripheral thing, you know. There's a there's a saying in the you know like in the holy book that if you are angry with your siblings, you're going to be punished. You know, I don't know any other religion that says that. Mm. So you know, and you know the Muslims, you the men they gather together five times a day in the mosque to pray. I don't know any other religion where you five times a day that builds community so i think this this erosion of community i think it's just particularly uh concerning to muslims because mm-hmm. i know i grew up muslim we, we feel you know there's such a sense of 
you know, there's a, it's a sort of a, you know, we are part of the community. We don't think of ourselves as individuals. And there's a bad, you know, there's a negative side to that too, but I'm trying to understand why Muslims especially can't, you know, like they, they are very, very concerned about this whole idea of, um, indi- you know, like what they call hyper-individualism that you said, Tony, you know? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I, that's a, it's an interesting viewpoint, and to be honest, it's not something I've really given a whole lot of thought before. But what you're saying um, does make sense. I, I for one, didn't wasn't aware that um, in a Muslim community, the men would gather five times a day. Uh, I, for one, mm-hmm. have it have a problem, have a, mm-hmm. uh, issues going to my parents' house two times a day. Never, never forget five <laughs> times a day. And so that's uh, I, I can definitely. But it also makes sense because in 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 that way, the difference becomes so much stark starker. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I was um, growing up, you know, um, the, mm-hmm. the focus wasn't really on, I should say, community uh, within my family. Mm-hmm. It was more upon pretty much just being successful in whatever way that you mm-hmm. determine success to be. Which, because mm-hmm. we're Asian, at least involved a certain amount of making money, because mm-hmm. uh, right. because in Asian in Asian culture, making money is a sign of both responsibility and, you know, in an interesting way, the the more money a father makes for you is is sign that he cares more about you because he's providing more for you. Well, in Chinese culture, right, 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 Chinese culture yeah. specifically, right, and um, and and so I didn't, and so when I moved out to Dallas. By myself, uh, there really, mm-hmm. really wasn't much of an opposition to that. But I can see how, mm-hmm. in a Muslim environment where you're in that tight knit mm-hmm. community and someone wants to mm-hmm. move out, and you're going from mm-hmm. seeing them five times a day to pretty much mm-hmm. only seeing them whenever you can buy the plane yes. ticket or how, right. how far away they are. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, how. Andy. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I said even the fasting, you know, we have a whole month of fasting where everybody gets together and that's, that really bonds community. You know, when you're thirsty and the other person is thirsty, you sort of really think, oh my God, we're in this <laughs> together. <laughs> and there's, it, it, it really creates that sense of togetherness. Yes. Yeah, you're going to ask me a question, Tony. Yeah, so, I mean, how do you see this pushback against modernity is revivalism how do you see that of affecting the role of women in the community within the families so you know the thing about part of the the revivalism is to bring back all the old customs and all the you know one of the things the revivalists have say is there should be no separation between church and state because islam doesn't recognize that kind of separation if you are in a for instance in saudi arabia you know it's all it's a theocracy right all the islamic rules matter so part of islamic rule has to do with women and how their role in the uh, in in the in the uh, world and and the way they dress you know this is why like a few months ago you saw all those um, riots in iran you know when when girls when this girl was uh, killed because because the morality police, you know, had taken her to jail because she wasn't wearing a veil. So what I see is there's a paradox because 
there are more and more women getting educated in Muslim world. Now it's common for everybody, you know, to go to the university. Even. But there's also the, there is this revivalist tug as to, you know, how you dress and what your role is going to be and this thing about, you know, the the religion. So I, my concern is I don't, you know, that you, you can see that in Afghanistan, right? The Taliban wants to close mm-hmm. down girls' schools. Mm-hmm. They don't want them to, girls to have jobs. The, the women who had... Uh, Jobs were sent home. So that's an extreme expression of this revivalist thing. So uh, I'm hoping that, you know, that more that in other places it will be more moderate. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure how it will go. Why, why do you think that the revivalist movement, when it, when it is extreme like that, why do you think it affects women in that way? What is it about? I, I'm not sure. Right. Be- because I, you know, you know, if you think, I think historically, if you look at societies and see what's different about them, you will see that it's, very often it's the role of the woman that's the re- different about them, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's this famous story, Kemal Ataturk, you know, from Turkey, when he went to Britain for the first time, and this would have been in like oh, 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 well, more than a hundred years ago, he wrote, reported back, I'm shocked there are these women walking on the streets, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like freely. And I, you know, so I think that's part of it that you can, like, you can tell, like, okay, so the traditional societies always seem to have some way in which the role of the woman is, 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 pretty, you know, is like unique there, you know, it's, it's different. Whereas men, they go to work, they, they earn their living, they do whatever business they have. They, you know, they may dress differently, but their role is the same. Mm-hmm. But the more traditional you get, then, um, you know, it, it becomes, uh, it's, it's somehow it's, it's the, the tradition is expressed in how they want women to be. Mm-hmm. I you, think, it, yeah. Do you see it as as protecting or as control? You know, you're a <laughs> therapist. Isn't that a term that you know? <laughs> Sorry, I, I control, just... like you know, protection. That one part of you know, like you have the top part is control. It, it, it's. I think it can be both. I think it can be both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be, because. I, I, so I'm, I'm going to go back to this question of what happens to uh, what has happened in the last uh, 50, 60 years or so. So there are some bedrock traits to Muslim communities, you know, all across. Mm-hmm. And these traits are one is universal and early marriage for both sexes, but universal and early marriage. The other is um, uh, a high birth rate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the other is, you know, very little, uh, very few instances of women initiating divorce. And if you look at the statistics in the Middle East, because you have the statistics if you want to Google it and see it, you can see there's almost like a correlation as women's literacy rate has gone up, the marriage rate has come down, and the divorce rate has gone up. Hmm. So you can see, and and when you allow women to go uh, out of their homes, to be educated or to work, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're allowing a huge transformation of society, I think. And that if, you do, if you want to control that, if you want to stop that, then you take the, keep the women back. Because, mm. you know, even in Western society, I think that happened with the women's movement, right? There's, there's huge changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that, 
so i feel that if you if you're thinking of the control uh, uh aspect i think the traditional very orthodox muslims know that there's a lot riding on how the women's role and what would happen to these societies if they they you know don't have those traditional roles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, i mean women do make up 51% of usual societies so in the yes. sense that yes. though, that their position in society would influence it immensely and so you mm-hmm. kind of talked about a little bit um before about how um you know this feminism movement was spreading throughout your community uh earlier mm-hmm. on and mm-hmm. about how it may not how it may not um i mean keep in mind like most of our listeners uh, here in the west at least certainly for me um we I don't have a ton of experience navigating mm-hmm. and, uh, and navigating really being inside Muslim communities. I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm from a Chinese immigrant family. That's just mm-hmm. not my. That's not my realm. And so, could you give mm-hmm. a little more insight about how exactly you know women's rights were, women's rights, and how what the role of woman is in these traditional societies? Because it seems to be a bit more nuanced than I think the usual picture is. Mm-hmm. Right. So on in the one extreme, you know, as I said, my grandmother who couldn't read or write, you know, she became a widow very early on, like three years after her marriage, and wow. she didn't know how to negotiate the outside world at all, and she lost her property because somebody was able to swindle it from her. They asked her to put her thumbprint down, you know, she couldn't sign on pieces of on documents, and before she knew it, she had become poor. So that's one extreme, but on the other, you have the matriarch. Mm. you know who ha- you have matriarchs have a lot of power um you know um i remember some time ago somebody had asked but this was in india and you know uh, it was a hindu situation but what what do you, uh, ask the young girl what do you want to be when you grow up grow up and she said i want to be a mother in law <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you know in traditional societies women in in some ways they are the ones you know who arrange marriages i mean not that men are not involved but they are the ones who open their homes to visitors and guests so it's not you know i i have lived with and seen very many strong muslim women who even within the boundaries that they had still wielded a lot of power because you know it's you, you know they, and especially after they have their own you know children because this is a society in which children respect and obey their parents so they get a lot of power uh, and it's uh, not true that all muslim women are just oppressed and uh, are miserable there's a lot of as you said complexity and nuance there mm-hmm. right so it sounds like you're almost describing how I, in that kind of view set of women have the power internally within that family structure mm-hmm, but men mm-hmm, have that power mm-hmm. externally outside interacting with the world mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. really this kind of special real specialization of it but that makes sense how the perspective mm-hmm. gets shaped because if you're looking mm-hmm. at it from outside the family unit the man's what you mm-hmm. see all the time because mm-hmm. that's the person inter- mm-hmm. that's the person whose job is is to interact with the outside so that's who you meet all the time right Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and there's an observation that uh, women in in the east make and you know th- this is a generalization 
they say in the east women get more power as they grow older mm. because we are, mm. you know uh, because they are now the matriarch of an extended family and in the west women have more power when they are young and have less power when they are older i mean this is just an observation that has been made mm-hmm. because and and i think there's something there you know because if you you know like as i said with an extended family you know a matriarch has an immense amount of power Mm-hmm. and i i would agree too with uh in collectivist cultures that that kind of tends it tends to lean in that direction because they are uh-huh. more family oriented and there there's mm-hmm. typically some kind of leader of the family and if the mm-hmm. the matriarch is because she's a widow then it's her mm-hmm. she's the soul mm-hmm person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do see mm-hmm. that way more in collectivist cultures. I mean, um Mexican mm-hmm. culture is very collectivist. Um it has mm-hmm. definitely been moving towards individualism, but there's mm-hmm. also a traditionalist movement. So um mm-hmm. like people from the 50s, 60s, 70s and and that generation, they would be upholding mm-hmm. a more traditionalist mindset. Um so mm-hmm. yeah that collectivist mentality i would say um is very is very uh, i guess like i said it, it lends itself to having a leader someone to lead mm-hmm. 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 right and and in the same way you know like i'm i'm no I, i think one of the downsides of that is that those who are in the family then have to conform mm-hmm. because it's very hard to be outside the family and um you know one of the things i i think you know i raised my children here mm-hmm. because they were born in the united states one of the things i see is that you know a certain amount of individual thinking and creativity is suppressed when it's collectivist right mm-hmm. like because you you can you know it's it's too uh what should i say unsafe and too unpleasant to to challenge any ru- rules mm-hmm. whereas in the more individualistic uh, commun- you know countries or societies you are you are encouraged to think about your you know think on your own and you know come to decisions you know when i was growing up in sri lanka i remember reading books and writing essays but i don't remember once the teacher asking me what do you think about this mm-hmm. i don't remember mm-hmm. truly i never but my children from the time they were in kindergarten that's what the ch- children have you know book reports what do you think about this mm-hmm. so there is and that has you know its benefits too mm-hmm. it sounds it's almost like there's a strange make mechanism or uh inverse the correlation that the more collectivist a society becomes the more specialized its members are in particular things You know this particular person mm-hmm. does this this person does this and you can be really mm-hmm. focused on that and they can really rely on you for that but if you try to step out mm-hmm. of it then that becomes an issue yes. because then you start interfering with everybody else's specializations mm. whereas in more of an individual right. individualistic society everyone's expected to a certain degree to be able to do everything pretty much by themselves mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and um Yeah, would you say it fosters more creativity then? I mm. I think in that sense there could be an a certain element of more creativity within mm-hmm. an individualistic culture because the simple fact that you know creativity is kind of is kind of coincides side of diversity of thought. 
And so if you just、mm -hmm. have more people thinking about something, there's,、mm -hmm. there's probably going to be a lot more. I, I would think that there would be more solutions, potential solutions being put forward to deal、mm -hmm. with the issue. Now, they might, they're probably not all good solutions. Just because someone has an idea doesn't mean it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But having more ideas is what I, I think. I mean, in, in that sense, I mean, having more ideas is diversity of thought. But on another、mm -hmm. hand, I could see the argument for that、um, collective thing because you could really focus and specialize on something. Right. And, put, right. and maybe come up with fewer ideas, but perhaps more high quality、mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In your experience,、right. um, yes. how much would you say that, in terms of the traditionalist mindset and things like that, how much would、mm -hmm. you say was there fear based off of what was unknown? I, I think a lot,、uh, well, both. You know, part of it was the unknown, but also I think the fear. In their seeing right before their eyes the changes that they had never anticipated, you know. For one thing, as I said, you know, like women, you know, initiating divorce, which, you know, no, nobody wants divorce, but sometimes、mm -hmm. it's good because that means the woman has some in economic independence and she doesn't have to stay in a bad marriage. And, you know, we have a tradition of arranged marriages. So、mm -hmm. that, you know, like、uh, young girls not wanting to marry who their parents chose. So they were seeing what, you know, they think、uh, the traditionalist thinks are very disruptive、uh, tendencies.、Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, a fear, it's a fear of what is going to, you know, how is this going to play out, you know, for the whole community? How is this going to play out for the future? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the concern, yeah. It's like, as you're talking, it got me thinking. It's how the actions of one affect the lives、mm -hmm. of everyone yes. else. Yes. So、right. I see. I see. So you have、yeah. to follow it because if you don't follow it, then all of us、right. are affected by your actions. I, I actually remember a part in your book where you、mm -hmm. were saying,、um, I think it was about your cousin. Um, the one who、mm -hmm. wanted to elope, and you were saying、yes. how the, I think it was your grandmother who was saying, well,、mm -hmm. now that she's done that, who is going、mm -hmm. to want to like talk to us or who's going to want to associate with us because right, she did、right. that? It now affects、yes. our reputations. Yes, yes. Right. right, because, right, you know, the honor system, you know, in traditional societies, that's one of the things that k e e p you from doing things that will bring dishonor to the family, right? Because、mm -hmm. it's so powerful, and, and, and a family can be so shamed and heartbroken if they feel that their honor has been violated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in、uh, Sri Lanka and in the The town that you grew up in, I'm sorry if I butcher it. It's Gaul, it's called、yeah, Gaul Fort. When,、yeah. when you,、um, in that society, would your lives or the lives of your like, family would they be destroyed、mm -hmm. if people did talk and they、yeah. knew like, the details? And would, would your, would your, it would just be destroyed. You wouldn't be able to survive in that society. Right, right. You know, one of the controls that what happens is nobody will marry into your family.、Mm. That's one of the 
peers that you have, you know. Like, um, I don't know, even when your parents said people will talk, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but it could be that they're looking into the future and saying, what is your future going to be if people talk about you? Right. That's what I used to hear, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, in a real strong sense, and I, I think this kind of goes back to the creativity uh, comment you had before, mm-hmm. is yeah. that, you know, creativity requires a certain amount of risk. And I think with, and I think it sounds like because your actions have, your individual actions could have consequences right. for the entire family. In yes. a, in a in a very real sense, I think that makes people a little more risk averse because they know that they're yes. not just messing up their life. They're gonna mess up right. their family's life, their clan's life, their greater some greater unit. Yes beyond themselves and so the negatives get so much more blown apart whereas here you know it's here our systems are even built in fairly individual you can an individual can declare bankruptcy as an example do something terrible and it doesn't really affect the rest of the family exactly Mm -hmm. exactly yes Mm -hmm. but um you know and, and you you know the individual choosers whom they marry not like they're you know looking to see whether the family had a bankruptcy in the background <laughs> or something right yeah but when you have arranged marriages that all that information comes into the you know on the table and so we are we, the families are very careful about what you know how you behave and what you do because one day you will have to if you if things are very bad it will affect your children Mm. When it comes time to marriage, it will affect your children. They will say, oh, well, this doesn't seem like a family that's good to marry into. They declare bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of gives me an idea of of when that applies and when it doesn't apply. It applies in Gaul. It applied there. Mm-hmm. But getting out mm-hmm. of it, it won't apply anymore. And the same thing happened with mm-hmm. my parents where that mentality, mm-hmm. maybe it applied in their small town where they used to live in, which is at yes, the time, yes. it's true. Yes. But for right. me, over where at the university where I was, where no one knew, no one cares what right. you do, it didn't apply. Right. Uh, a question I want to ask you is, with all of this, kind of, with all mm-hmm. of this, you know, growing up in this very collectivist society, and not just mm-hmm. traditional, mm-hmm. but the collectivist society, mm-hmm. How do you think that ended up ended up affecting you know when you moved here to the U.S. and the culture here is so very mm-hmm. very different from that? Right, I I think it it affected me most. I would say in way how I was wanting to raise my children. Mm-hmm. I have three sons; mm-hmm. they are grown up now. For me, because I was already a, you know I was already molded when I came. I came when I was about twenty seven, so. I came into a university situation and it's a very liberal kind of, you know, mm-hmm. nice place to be. But with my children, I always had this uh, second guessing. Should I allow them to do this or should I not? You know, I, I grew up, I, you know, obedience and respect is mm-hmm. very important, right, in, mm-hmm. in our cultures. And I remember my oldest son once, he said, oh, you guys, are you coming? And, and I said, oh, no, 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 we are not you guys. Call us mother and father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know, it, it, it's those little things like the respect. And and then again, you know, so you're the therapist, you know, you think, am I repressing my children by not letting them do that? But, <laughs> so that, that 
has, and even now they are adults, but I tell them, your uncle is coming, you need to come and visit us mm-hmm. because you need to pay him his rest. You know, and I always that, that uh, you know, what is the decision I should make? Because I'm, sh- because I'm certain that I don't want them to not, re- not respect and not sort of have those traditions of connection, but I also want them to be creative and, you know, independent and all that. So that mm-hmm. has be- always been my issue. It's like it opened up the ability for you to question, to say, do I mm-hmm. want to keep this or do I want to mm-hmm. do something else? Yes. And I'm okay yes. with figuring that out. Right, because mm-hmm. now uh, you're in that role where, you know, you're no longer, you're no longer, I suppose, the, the, the forefront of modernity for your family. We're going to ruin them, right? Mm-hmm. She's not going to ruin anything <laughs> if she does this. Right. Now... You're the now you've shifted to becoming the bridge between yes. the very tra- between your your you're in a position where your your own father and your own mother was when they were when right. they were raising you and they have to think about what it is that you want to keep and what it is that you don't want to keep and and yes. I, I can tell this yes. there is this mm, uh, I want to say admiration perhaps reverence or just mm-hmm. respect mm-hmm. for those traditional values and. Um, Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's and that's and that's something as I suppose every parent has to deal with. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, I think in the in and then every parent deals with that. You know, even if it's just generational, it, you'll deal with it. Even if you haven't moved cultures, right? You still you. I think parents have to deal with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. I think. I think there is there is a lot of wisdom in what you say where. You were saying, I think it's important to have a conversation about both mm-hmm. views, not mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. say one is better than the other and villainize either mm-hmm. one of them, which it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's not getting us anywhere. I really do mm-hmm. see that there is a lot of wisdom to just having the conversation to understand one another mm-hmm. as people mm-hmm. and as communities. Yeah, right. And and I think even the issues of women's rights and things, if we can have that conversation and say, well, I think we can have grant basic rights without completely eroding all the traditional things. I think then people will be more willing to listen, mm-hmm. at least, you know, than if you say, you know, this is something you have to do and doesn't matter how it, you know, what happens to you, but this is her right and she needs to go and do it and, you know... Um, you know that just to even hear them out is, I think, important. Mm-hmm. Right. I can definitely tell that I am in the presence of two mental health professionals because they <laughs> say communication is key and it's important <laughs> to have a conversation. <laughs> open. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. If you close off one channel, it's over. Yes, it's done. Right. <laughs> You know, I worked for 25 years as a mental health counselor, and the, and the motto of my com- of my organization was first we listen. I love that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that because I mean, how else are you supposed to communicate if you don't listen? You just talk. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, when you said mental health counselor. I was like, oh, no wonder I liked everything. <laughs> Right. And, and and actually, that is what made me also focus so much on loneliness and community. And you know too well that all mental health uh, 
situations get exacerbated when people are isolated, right? Most of, mm-hmm. the, most of the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I was thinking, I'm seeing so much isolation. What's this about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why we're kind of going towards it. Why we, like I was mentioning, why are we closing channels? Why are we not mm-hmm. able to just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, it comes down to conflict resolution. A lot of people don't have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, conflict. Well, I suppose it's it's always a little difficult to to have conflict resolution because, and I, and I I say this lightly, but also half seriously, <laughs> people just plain mm-hmm. don't like the insinuation that they might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think conflict resolution, a successful conflict resolution, requires at least a mm-hmm. little bit of admission. Mm-hmm. Maybe not directly mm-hmm. saying it, but somewhere in there, you are willing to accept that you might be just a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. No, it's yes. true. It's true. <laughs> right. Right. And and that you might need to compromise even a little bit, right? Right. <laughs> to have the resolution that you can't have everything your way completely. Yeah. That's, that could be. Yeah. Uh, well, fa- yeah. well, we're coming up on the end of time here, but I appreciate you so much um, for hopping on oh, with us, Yasmin. You. Just one final question uh, for you. The board is really open for you on this one. What do you want people to really learn and focus on when they read your book? Mm. So I would like to put on three things. I would like them to focus on what happens to women when they uh, they are not allowed, given the skills to negotiate the world, in whichever way they have to negotiate it, right? They become very vulnerable. This happened to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I would like them to know is that it's, you know, it's the stereotypes about Muslim women or Muslim families is, is much, it's not really accurate that there's a lot of love there's joy, there's connection, and it's more complex and nuanced. And I think that's true for all communities, you know. From mm-hmm. afar, it looks like just one big thing. But the third thing, and is what I said also, that this, you know, I'd like also to, you know, to recognize that when Islamic, you know, there's a part of the revivalism, part of it I don't agree with at all, and I would like to see it all, you know, going away, the restrictions on women and and uh, the imposition of religion. But there's Mm -hmm. a part of their concern about community, about connection, about the loss of valuable traditional traditions that I think, like I said, we need to have a conversation about instead of dismissing it entirely. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's a challenging subject for, challenging subject to approach because you look at, uh, the most extreme example, I think, nowadays is nowadays is what's happening in Afghanistan, and yes, it's, yes. and it's it's admittedly hard to look past what's going on over there and see the good parts because there are some legitimate concerns. Just like almost every movement had some legitimate concerns. Right now, we're kind of going mm-hmm. through um, in the first world in the first world um, to use a kind of an outdated term there. But we're kind of going through a little bit of that ourselves with what you know the uh, AI revolution and Chat GPT mm-hmm. making a lot of jobs mm-hmm. obsolete, and it kind of mirrors the mm-hmm. um, problems that people back then had, like the, the <coughs> traditional Luddites with the weavers pro- right. protesting against the cotton mills and the and the uh, newspapers yes. protesting against the introduction yes. of television because suddenly there's a new way to do things and it's and change is. 
change is always change always comes with a little bit of tension mm-hmm. and yes mm-hmm. in a in a strange uh way it's it sometimes it's almost like to have tension during change is almost a sign right. that change that that change is important and needs to happen not always right but uh what is it that's your favorite line again donna for boundaries yes Oh, the more resistance a boundary has, the more you know that you needed to put that there. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not always right. quite true, but it holds true a lot of times. It holds right. true a lot of times. Whenever you've had some kind of resistance, the more resistance you're getting to a boundary that you've set, the more you know you must you're have right. needed it. Yeah. Right. But, and I agree with Tony about, you know, Afghanistan is a kind of an extreme situation. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I said, the, the Surgeon General's advisory on connections, it has chapter like pillars. And pillar six is cultivate a culture of connection. It says, you know, this is, I'm taking, you know, I got it straight from his uh, advisory. And what he has suggested is you expand conversations on social connection in schools, workplaces, and communities. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm saying, you know, that we can maybe address that part of uh, tradition, the concern. Right. How can we maintain some, yes, so, you know, yeah, the, an- the same, just to have, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a respect, it's a respect of people, not women, mm-hmm. not men. It's just a respect of yeah. people. Not even, I'm, yes. I'm not even going to go so far as to saying like equality. Yes, it's equality, but at the end right. of the day, it's just a respect of human life. Just be respectful yes. of both. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, so, um, and in fact, in, the, in that pillar six, that's what the Surgeon General's advisory says, cultivate values of kindness, respect, service, and commitment to one another. I'm just reading from his advice. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I'm down too. Right. Well, yeah, continuing the conversation um, with this whole clash of traditional versus modernities, I think is something that needs to keep happening. I don't, I don't know if there's a solution yes. along the horizon because realistically, something's always going to change. Technology is going to develop. Maybe we'll go to space. Maybe, maybe something right. wacky will happen that uh, changes right. the world completely upside down. Maybe we'll figure out a way to right. fly all the way to Australia in like an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you right. so much. Right. Thank you so much for hopping on with us, Yasmin. Uh, you have been a wonderful guest. Okay. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for everything that you were open to discussing with us and allowing us an insight into your life and the wisdom that you bring to us. I really appreciate it on a personal level. Um, thank you both of you for this wonderful opportunity you know to have this discussion with you Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed talking thank you Uh, this is a yasmin azad she wrote her memoir stay daughter it's available right now on amazon go and pick it up and that is dx show for today with me and uh, my lovely co-host donna if mm-hmm. you can always reach her at her website serenitycounselingbcs.com now with a new spanish site developed by yours truly and you and uh, if you have any questions comments or concerns you can reach out to us directly uh, via email or you can check out our brand new facebook page 
And you can talk to me directly there. I am always available. So thank you so much for listening and have a great evening.